0: Good day listeners, Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Every day we are helping wives who are experiencing the devastating effects of sexual brokenness and sin. It's always messy and it's always traumatic. On today's program, we have two guests who will help us understand these effects and how a wife can heal. They are Kat Etherington and Cindy Bahama from Naked Truth Project. The key issues we cover in this episode are where to start the healing process, defining trauma, stages of healing, something called the window of tolerance, why addressing the whole person is crucial to healing, and what to do if the offending partner doesn't seek help. To learn more about Kat and Cindy and their work and resources, visit NakedTruthRecovery.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And would you please rate and review the podcast after listening because this helps others to find the show. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries, and Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now, let's join Kat and Cindy in this vital conversation. All right, well, we have Kat Etherington and Cindy Bayama. I, I, I'm sorry, Cindy. I, was that good it. enough?
1: That was perfect.
0: Okay, well, welcome to the program. So glad to have you here today.
2: Thanks for having us, Jonathan.
0: Thank yeah you.
1: it's great to be here.
0: I was super excited when I was going to be able to get both of you on here to uh to talk about just healing from betrayal trauma, especially as it relates to uh women who have faced that either in their marriage or in a relationship and and healing from that. But before we dive into kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of that topic, I'd love for each of you to just share a little bit about yourself and and how you've gotten into the work that you're now doing in this space of recovery and healing.
2: Yeah, maybe I'll I'll go first, um, Cindy. So my name's Kat Etherington. I'm the director for recovery with Naked Truth Project. We're a UK based international charity working with men and women um, uh, in kind of two ways really, Jonathan, we do um, awareness and education around the damaging impact of pornography. Um, and then we do recovery for people who um, have experienced those problems um, and problematic behaviors in their lives. And I, I really come to this work, as I guess is true for a lot of folks, um, and for certainly for a lot of our, our team at Naked Truth, through my own story of um, addiction, recovery, and betrayal. Um, I actually met my husband um, in a 12-step program. We were both recovering from other addictions. Um, and then later on, um, his betrayal um, and addictive sexual behavior became evident in our relationship. And so um, I guess being a Brit my experience was that there was not a whole lot of resource here Um, a lot of the stuff that I was accessing or finding was a very long way away and a very large amount of money Um, and I just kind of felt that calling to to try to make a contribution to the field and so I joined Naked Truth about five years ago now
1: yeah and I think for myself, um, I started out with Naked Truth uh, about three and a half years ago, um, but I started before that as a client. So I was uh, part of the first uh, women who joined in with the Wholehearted program when Kat started that up uh, over four years ago now. And I was living in Poland at the time, so I was looking for English language resources that were in a time zone that were friendly for me. And uh was very grateful to find Naked Truth Project. And I was so impressed with the program just from the beginning um, with the resources that were offered, the education, the support. Um, I think it is a very easy thing for me to say that there's no way I would still be married if I hadn't discovered the Wholehearted Partner Program in Naked Truth Recovery. Um, and, um, yeah, so I felt called to do this work as well and contribute, uh, slowly stepped my way into it and now act as head of recovery. So overseeing all our programs and supporting our practitioners and our clients.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you both for, for stepping into, uh, that space because, uh, it takes a lot of courage, you know, uh, sometimes it's not a, it's not something that people are extremely open to to talk about until somebody's willing to break the ice, build that bridge, tell their own story. So thank you for being in this space where you're creating those opportunities um, for people to find the healing that they need. So as we as we jump into this, I wanted, I want to ask both of you just to talk about the effects that you see of various forms of sexual brokenness on relationships. And maybe Kat, you could speak maybe more from the side of of the effects you see on the addicted person, the person that actually is maybe exhibiting those sexual, um, sexually broken behaviors. And then Cindy, maybe if you could speak to the ones who are then experiencing the impact of that, the ones that are in relationship with those who are sexually addicted.
2: Hmm. You know, um, Mm. it's funny. We we were just in in our men's group last night. And one of the things I do regularly in our men's group is just kind of acknowledge the absolute messiness of the dynamic when uh, a disclosure or a discovery happens, when this secret sex life is revealed. And, you know, the statistics say it's much more likely that that's going to be found out than it is going to be confessed. Mm. Um, And, you know, what typically happens in the immediate aftermath of that is kind of chaos you know there's this um, this kind of uh, reality where this was a secret that was never meant to be revealed Um, we know that people who have addictive behaviors and secretive behaviors often um, have a really strong sense of compartmentalization and so you know we do talk a lot don't we about the traumatic impact of that on the partner but in truth there's kind of a traumatic impact of the betrayer in those moments too. As these kind of two worlds in which they live—one in which I'm, you know, a pornography user, or I'm acting out sexually in some other way, and no one's ever supposed to know—and the other in which I'm a married man, maybe I'm a church-going Christian, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm involved in ministry. Um, those two worlds are never meant to come together, and so when they do, it can be extremely traumatic for everybody involved, and the fallout from that is often very, very significant. Um, and of course, the person who has kind of perpetrated that is the person who has the the secretive behavior. Um, but I also know that they're not having any fun in that dynamic as the sort of mm-hmm. reality of the life that they've been living is suddenly very, very stark in front of their eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think for the partner, um, it's, you know, of course, their reality has been completely shattered. This life that they thought they had is gone. They don't, so they they're in this place of questioning everything, not knowing who to trust, not knowing if he says, "Well, this is all I've done," if that's actually true or not. Mm. Um, and when when he comes clean with his story, he can feel um, a sense of relief. Finally, I can start to live in the truth. But for her, she's carrying all of that emotional. Um, destruction and shame that he has been hiding for however long he's been hiding his behavior. Um, so for the women, it is so important to know that they're not crazy because those trauma, um, the way, the way it impacts them. It's just to question everything, uh, all of their I- areas of reality. So knowing that they're not crazy, knowing that, yeah, this is actually impacting me emotionally, this is impacting me physically, this is impacting um, how I uh, even just feel a sense of comfort in the world. Little things can be triggered go- for me. I remember getting triggered going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm this is an everyday normal occasion. And yet it just, those little things become so difficult. So um, when, we, when we start working with the partners, it's really, uh, we try to let them know that they're not crazy. These are all normal things that they would experience uh, in any type of a betrayal. Um, and so when they get that s- sort of education then they can start to understand what they need to do to start healing themselves um, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, hopefully healing the relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So as we, as we kind of focus in on what the partner is going to need in order to really address the trauma and start to begin to heal you, you, you've mentioned a couple of times of kind of establishing that sense of, of compassion that you're not crazy, you know, kind of almost giving them a sense of it, you know, being a calming voice in their life, but where, where is it really most important to start that journey with the partner in taking them through the process of healing from that trauma? Where do you start?
1: Good question. Um, so I think for me, when I start working with partners, I really want to talk to them about how safe do they feel? Do they, say, do they feel safe in their home? Um, what areas might not feel safe. And, you know, there we can talk about, um, you know, the spiritual aspect or the physical aspect. Do they want to be in the same bed as their husband at this time or not? You know, what is it that they need to start to um, kind of calm down their nervous system? right? Because when they first experience trauma, they're just going like this, right? And we just want to get them into a place of um, what we call the window of tolerance, right? So that they can start to think a little more clearly about what it is that they need from their husband and what it is that they need to do for themselves in order to get further in their healing and recovery.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of that is about, um, as as you're talking, Cindy, I'm thinking about the importance of psychoeducation. You know, we've, mm-hmm. um, our partner program is designed to try to hit three three main things. We do psychoeducation, we do kind of open space to just vomit the feelings and all the stuff that I can't say anywhere else. And then we do kind of focused topic curriculum driven groups on top of that, Mm -hmm. because um, my experience was that I needed a bit of all of that. You know, I needed a place to just say, "Ah, this is what's what I'm feeling today and and kind of just tell the raw truth of how it was for me. And there was nowhere I could do that that felt safe and that I felt like I could trust. But I also really needed to understand betrayal, trauma, trauma in general, addiction. I needed that education to give me a frame of reference to begin to kind of make sense of what I was experiencing. You know, how do you answer the question? You're not crazy. Well, you know, one way to do that is say, here's a bunch of stuff that, Millions of other women describe feeling, and suddenly you d- you feel less alone. Um, and so that psychoeducational component was super important too. Um, but then what I also needed was a, a place to learn to apply. So you know I think that's a bit a bit of a, a kind of a mistake that some of us make through our journey is we read all the books and we learn a bunch of stuff and we know a bunch of stuff, but we we don't always know how to translate that into my lived experience. And so. You know, when we work with with partners, particularly, we're trying to hit all of that, just places to be and share what's happening, places to learn, and then places to apply what they're learning.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, um, I want to take maybe what will feel like a little bit of a step back because this this word has come up multiple times already in our conversation. But I don't want to make an assumption that everybody knows exactly what you are meaning or what, what I may be meaning, when we say the word trauma, I think that is a word that is has been used around the world. And there may be different ways in which people are just, when that hits their ears, they might be hearing it through whatever their lens is. Can you give us maybe a working definition of how you would describe what trauma is, especially as it applies to what we're talking about here in terms of sexual betrayal?
2: yeah Mm. I'll I'll go at that one in the sense that when we teach on trauma and the very first of our educational resources is um a a kind of a webinar titled why does it hurt so bad and that kind of tries to unpack like why is this such a big deal um because especially with things like pornography there's this sense of like oh so your husband um you know that can be easily minimized like he looks at Mm. some porn Mm. why would that be traumatic um and I like to to kind of teach that trauma, the word trauma actually comes from the Greek word to wound. And so, you know, there's this sense in which uh, a trauma is this thing that happens. And actually, that's not the trauma. The trauma is the woundedness that is created by the thing that happens. And in this case, with betrayal trauma, we're talking about a relational attachment trauma where there is a reasonable uh, expectation of trust and and safety within a relationship. He's my person. I sh- he's got my back. I should be able to depend on him. I should know who he is. And when that trust and safety is violated in a significant way, it creates what we would call a betrayal trauma. And that can happen in other relationships too. In fact, the first kind of use of that terminology related to parental relationships where there was something like um, childhood sexual abuse that would create a betrayal trauma because the expectation of safety and trust between the two people within the relationship is shattered.
1: Yeah, I think actually, um, just quickly, that it's that expectation of safety and trust of this that is so crucial um, in, in these situations. And I know another definition that you hear of trauma is something that happened you know, too much too fast. Or too little for too long, and um, when you are in a relationship, if you have like a sudden discovery, um, that is that's that too much too fast.
0: Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I want to circle back around to something you said, Cindy, earlier that um, you almost kind of said it in passing, but I'm thinking, oh man, I bet there's some wives out there that would like for you to unpack it a little bit more. You 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 said something about the window of tolerance. Can can you share what you mean by that? Because you were talking about in terms of a woman feeling safe, right? And maybe mm-hmm. it sounded like it might be associated with maybe boundary setting or something. But can you describe a little bit more of what you mean by that term of window of tolerance?
1: Yeah, It well, boundary setting can be something that can benefit uh, establishing um, more um, a healthier window of tolerance. But the window of tolerance itself is actually a psychological model that's used to explain like when you are are in a state of fight or flight, which would be kind of like that state of hyperarousal or freeze or shut down. And that would be that hypo arousal. So in our day-to-day lives, when we are in a neurologically, psychologically healthy state, we have ups and downs in our lives, but we can, we can go with those because we have, um, I guess what could easily be described as uh, emotional resilience. But when you experience trauma, Instead of having a nice wide window of um, behaviors or effects that you can tolerate, it kind of shrinks it down. So, all those little things, um, you know, for a woman, it might be, oh, you saw your husband close a browser window on his computer very quickly. That becomes a trigger that you go into a fight Mm. or flight kind of state. Or, you just might have a day where it's just, you just feel emotionally overwhelmed. You can't deal with anything. You just want to lay in bed and you're just, you're in that state of hypo arousal. So um, all activities that bring you safety. Um, so whether it's self-care things, um, self-compassion, having boundary uh, requirements uh, that you want to talk to your husband about, you know, this is what I need in order to feel more a, a greater sense of safety from you. All of those things will slowly allow that window of tolerance to start to open back up again.
0: Okay, that's great. I, I also want to ask, as as we think about the overall uh, journey of healing that a woman will need to go on when she's experienced betrayal trauma, can you can you help uh, a woman understand maybe what the the major or key stages are of that healing, and then also what are the key elements that that maybe need to be focused on? in each stage as she's going through the healing process, recognizing that nothing's neat about this, right? I mean, it's not all clean. And, but, but usually, it seems to me like there's, you know, there's an initial stage, there's maybe a a next stage, and then there's a next stage, can you try to describe what that might be like for a woman who's really progressing through this healing journey?
2: Yeah, well, at Naked Truth Recovery, all of our practitioners, including those who work exclusively in our men's program, are trained in the APSATS multidimensional partner trauma model. Um, and just for your listeners, if they're not familiar with that acronym, that's the Association for Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. Um, and they use and train a three-stage approach to healing betrayal trauma, which is adapted from a broader kind. of model for other traumas too. Um, And so we follow that model. Um, So our three distinct phases are safety and stabilization, which is kind of all about um, learning to stay within and increase our window of tolerance and our our internal and external sense of safety. So in stage one, we're looking at lots of emotional regulation stuff, we're looking at boundaries, we're looking at um, things like therapeutic disclosures, does there need to be a facilitated truth-telling to help orient the partner within their reality? Are there abusive or um, kind of uh, dangerous, emotionally dangerous behaviours that are happening um, in the house and in the relationship? So all of that safety stuff that Cindy talked about would be stuff that we would be addressing in stage one. In stage two, um, that's remembering and mourning. So this this is the stage no partner enjoys not that not that there's any part of this that's enjoyable but if you're going to try to skip out on a stage it's going to be stage two so stage two is remembering and mourning and it's kind of what it says um, so we do a lot of um, kind of healing of intuition looking back over the history of the relationship now that we've got our truth um, how do we reconnect with that um, kind of story of our relationship so there's kind of a contextualizing that happens here mm. um, I sometimes call this stage or what happens in this stage is like breadcrumbing. If you know the story of Hansel and Gretel and they leave this kind of little trail of breadcrumbs, this is where we go back through the story and we get those moments of, ah, I knew something felt wrong in that conversation and I was right. And that's super important for partners who have often been kind of talked out of their own sense of reality or their own intuition. So we're doing a lot of that kind of repairing and we're doing a lot of, of loss and grief work and just kind of mourning Mm. um what they thought the relationship was what it is now Uh, um and I I guess the other thing that I like to say about this stage because it feels kind of uh so, like just a sad, slow stage for a lot of partners, but actually, this is often where the the real transformation begins to happen, as they can kind of re re understand their story in light of this new information, and in a in doing so, they can. I sometimes describe it as like you know, there's rubble. It's like your house fell down. Stage one, we go in, we hold up the ceiling, we make sure nothing else is going to fall on you. Stage two, we have to clear the rubble, and we're not just going to kind of take a. Ball bulldozer to it and get rid of it all we're going to meticulously pick through it this is your life you know we're going to Mm -hmm. meticulously meticulously pick through it and decide: Can I take this with me into my future, or is this this something I need to discard altogether, or could it be repurposed? And so we're just kind of um, slowly but surely picking through the rubble and understanding what can stay, what can be changed and continue, and what needs to go. And then our third stage is reconnecting, and this is where um, we're talking sort of post-traumatic growth, and um, you know, really, I sometimes talk about this like, um, in the first stage, and often in the second stage, betrayal trauma is the headline of your life. It's kind of the big deal. Um, when we get into post traumatic growth, we're looking for this is a part of the bigger story of my life, and so we move it from the front page to like an article on page seven because it's no longer everything that you are. And, and you know, hopefully, there's been some relational repair, although that's not always possible. But certainly, there should be um, you know a reconnecting with with sense of self, with the world around us. We're stepping into a bigger story. Um, and often there's a, a kind of a sense of wanting to give back as part of that.
0: And Cindy, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, I know that both of you have gone through this personally in terms of this transformation, mm-hmm. but Cindy, since this is kind of your focus in, in your, your ministry, how important is it in each of those stages for the the whole person to be addressed? Physical, emotional, spiritual, as you're going through these stages. Because I think sometimes I know I know in our ministry sometimes folks that are coming in for recovery and different kind of work, they they want to just focus on one area, or they just want to you know, hey, give me a give me a prescription, or give me you know, they want to focus on just the physical, or just the emotional, or just the spiritual. Actually, they don't. You a lot of times the guys don't want to focus on the emotional. That takes a little bit of work, but. Um, <laughs> Can you talk about why the whole person is so important to address in all of these stages in recovery from trauma?
1: Wow. That, that, it, that could be a podcast just all on its own. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's crucial. You can't, um, you know, they say in with emotions, for example, this is perhaps a good uh, image to, to look at this with, you know, if you uh, stuff down one emotion, you're stuffing them all down. And I think it's the same thing with the different aspects of our um, of ourselves uh, in recovery. If um, you know, for for an addict, for for example, if he just stops doing the behavior that is the addictive behavior, and I'm using he just because that's most commonly what we are encountering, um, he needs to find a healthy activity to replace that what that need that was being met. There's also some self-examination that needs to go on about, you know, what do I need physically? A lot of times for partners in trauma, they might not be able to identify their emotions as well. And in our groups, that's one of the things we start with, you know, how are you feeling today? And we're not talking about a physiological feeling or a thought. We're talking about what emotion are you actually experiencing right now? Because we tend, when we get, when we experience trauma, we can shut down our emotions because it's just too big and too hard to to feel. So reattuning to those emotions, reattuning to where are we feeling it physiologically, if we can't identify the emotion, emotion. looking at, you know, what are my intellectual needs? So what do I need to learn about in order to heal? Um, What's that? What would be the other areas? I mean, I think that, that spiritual piece is really important. You can't talk about that reconnection piece Mm -hmm. and it is, it's a reconnection to self. And it's also, you know, if you are a person of faith, it is a reconnection to yourself in God and with God. Um, And that is such a crucial, crucial piece, because that's where that faith and that hope that I can heal is going to come from. And not, not, Not even so much, you know, because not all relationships do survive this. Mm -hmm. And you as the partner are not in control of what your husband is doing in his recovery. And there might come a point where you say, this this doesn't work for me. I'm not getting, I'm not seeing recovery from you. I'm not seeing deeper recovery from you. So they need to have their own recovery so that they can move forward in their own healing. Um, So I hope that answers your question. But it's really, that holistic approach is crucial.
0: And what you what you just said a second ago is a good segue to a question I want to ask you, Kat, is thinking of the husbands out there that, okay, everything's in the light now. Obviously, this trauma has hit their wife. What would you say to the husbands are the key things that they need to do in order to be a help to their wife's healing? But also, this could give an indication to wives of what do they need to look for in their husbands to see that there is transformation actually happening in their lives. Can you speak to that?
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I, I think for men who choose to recover themselves and then in the context of their relationship, um, you know, kudos to them because I'm going to be honest with you and say it's hard work. Is mm-hmm. you, you know, recovering from addiction is a big deal and doing all of the personal work around that and, you know, really taking the time to get to know yourself and understand your drives and, you know, all of that work that I mean that's like a a big deal piece of work to do but to do that while at the same time trying to hold space for somebody that you hurt that wants to tell you about how you hurt them is that's a whole nother prospect altogether and so you know that's why we do groups that have a specific relational focus because these guys are saying like I don't I want to do that and I and I really don't know how to do that they're you know they're only just beginning to to learn that they have emotions and to begin to kind of regulate their own emotions. And we're saying to them, go hold space for these crazy big emotions that your wife is experiencing while she's trying to articulate how you've hurt her. And so, you know, I would say just for, for the guys out there that if you're if you're even willing to give that a good go, then you know you're, you're making you're making some good progress. In terms of like where to start, um, you know, one of the things that we're often talking about in our groups is is just how to slow down. I think you know you said it earlier on that there's this feeling of oh that's all out in the open now, and often there's a sort of a sense of relief, and and actually often they're kind of getting a pat on the back from a few people like oh good that's all out in the open, and now they want to move on now they, you know, they want to move on and they want it all to be over. Um, And that is probably one of the biggest issues that I see among couples where he's like, gosh, do we have to talk about this again? And because mm. the partner is trying to understand her reality, she's going to need to talk about it. Not just once, not twice, maybe 50 times, maybe a hundred times. I once heard somebody describe that as like, you know, um, it's like we've just been given a different jacket than the one we've always worn. And we have to mm. keep kind of putting on to like to to try to make sense of this new item that we're trying to see if it fits. And so, you know trauma will repeat itself. And that can be really, really difficult if you are prone to feeling pretty bad about the things that you have done. Um, So, you know, kind of slowing down, holding space for a partner, which is really, really difficult. And which is why, you know, men often need the support of other guys to say, you know, okay, well, you know, I believe that you can do this. So there's a lot of kind of um, skills to learn in terms of how to be present and kind of act as a container for the partner's pain.
0: And can you, as we, we got a couple more minutes left here, but can you speak a little bit to this dynamic, especially for those couples that there is a hope and a desire that the relationship can be restored. Can you speak a little bit to that need for there to be a sense of, of personal journey That each of them are going to have to own and be responsible for in terms of recovery and healing but also how that interconnects with how their journeys can both help and encourage one another towards that restoration
1: yeah we um we actually do a lot of couples work uh in our organization and i think that's really the key piece it's it's like they they do both need to be responsible for their own healing and when they can support each other's healing in a, in a couple relationship, whether it's through a couples work or they get their own education and knowledge around how to do that, it's it makes such a huge difference. I think there, you know, used to be this model of, um, and you still hear it sometimes from from people in the twelve step world. You know, my side of the street, and your side of the street. Well, come on, this is a relationship here. It, this addiction, this type of betrayal, is totally different. It is not alcoholism. it is not drug abuse. It is something completely different. When that relational aspect has been been damaged and shattered, the only way you're going to repair that is in relational work. So bringing that recovery into that relational piece is really, really important. And the way that you do it is making a safe space for each person to be able to share their emotions, for him to be able to hear, her emotions, for him to be able to develop and learn empathy skills to bring into his relationship, because many people who have addiction struggle with empathy, um, but also for her to be able to acknowledge and recognize the work that he's doing, to be able to voice her needs and her desires in, within the relationship, what she needs from him in order to heal. If they can do that in a safe way, in a calm way, and stay, again, in that window of tolerance. There's so much healing that can happen in that work.
0: Yeah. Well, Kat and Cindy, this has been an incredible conversation. I feel like in some ways we've only scratched the surface. I know that this could be a multi-hours long conversation because there's so many layers to everything that we've t- talked about. But um, I, I'd like for you to share where um, ladies can take next steps, women that have faced betrayal, Um, and even, even their husbands. So what are some resources Mm -hmm. that you could, um, send our listeners to where they could get some more help on this?
2: Yeah, so um, all of our programs can be found on our Naked Truth Recovery website, which is just nakedtruthrecovery.com. The other work that we do is on another website, but that's where you're going to find our kind of recovery programs. Um, And the two programs that we've really been talking about today is our Wholehearted Partner Program and our Whole Life Recovery Program. We do have other programs for people who are kind of just starting out in recovery. And so you'll find our Click to Kick program on that website too. But for the kind of stuff that we've been talking about today. um, That's really where you're going to find um, wholehearted and whole life recovery.
0: Yeah. Well, again, thank you both so much for being here. I think this has been an incredibly valuable conversation and I want to just commend you for the work you're doing and encourage you to keep pressing on in that work. But thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you, Jonathan
0: yeah listeners we're going to put all that information in the show notes because we really want to try to help you take your next best step towards healing and growth um and of course if you want to reach out to us to just help for any help that you need just walking along this path this journey of transformation we'd be happy to help you so thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the pure sex radio program take care pure sex radio is paid for by be broken ministries visit us online At PureSexRadio.com.